You're listening to the preaching podcast of Victory Baptist Church in Roanoke Rapids, North Carolina, led by Pastor Jeremy Kobernack. It is our desire that you will be helped by this Bible message. We're in 2 Timothy chapter 4. We're going to be reading verses number 1 through 8 this morning. I'll read the first five verses, then I'd like to for you to read with me publicly on verses 6, 7, and 8. The Bible says, beginning in verse number 1, I charge thee, therefore, before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall judge the quick and the dead at his appearing and his kingdom, preach the word, be instant in season, out of season, reprove, rebuke, exhort with all longsuffering and doctrine, for the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but after their own lust shall they heap to themselves teachers having itching ears. And they shall turn away their ears from the truth, and shall be turned unto fables. But watch thou in all things, endure afflictions, do the work of an evangelist, make full proof of thy ministry. For I am now ready to be offered, and the time of my departure is at hand. I have fought a good fight, I have finished my course, I have kept the faith. Henceforth there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, shall give me at that day, and not to me only, but to all them also that love his appearing. Amen. You may be seated. Thank you so much for standing. I'm going to be preaching on Sunday mornings uh, for a few weeks at least, and throughout the year I'll be preaching about our theme of uh, living for eternity. I'm so excited about our theme, and uh, be careful to try not to say it all in one service this morning. We'll try to spread it out and not overload you. Uh, Tonight, I'm beginning a new series. It'll be our Sunday night series uh, from the book of Acts. I encourage you to come, and we'll go through the book of Acts. That'll take us, uh, probably it'll take us a few months at least, if not for a good part of the year. And then on Wednesdays, I just started this past Wednesday, we're doing a series going through the Bible from Genesis to Revelation, but it's an overview. We're not going to hit every verse. We're not even going to hit every chapter. But we will hit every book, and I hope it will be a blessing to you. And uh, if you missed last Wednesday, I encourage you to go and to to listen to that message so you're caught up and uh, you can kind of get an idea of where we're going. But I'm thankful for the Bible, and we we don't need less of the Bible in 2024. We need more of it, and uh, the Word of God is quick, and it is powerful. And uh, it is sharper than any two-edged sword. And I'm thankful for the privilege uh, that we have to have the Word of God and to read it, to study it, and then, of course, to put it into practice in our lives. Let's pray. Lord, we love you. We pray you would speak to us and give us what we need from your precious Word today. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. 2 Timothy chapter 4, I want you to notice with me, I'm going to give you an introduction and that's about as far as I'm going to get this morning. Uh, I told the early service, I have a page and a half of notes and I only got one little paragraph covered this morning. So you ought to be relieved about now to know that there is an end in sight. I'm not going to keep you all afternoon. Uh, This is the 11 o'clock service and we're going to try not to go till 2, okay? We'll try to get you out at normal time. But we see in this passage, of course, verse number 8, the Bible says, Henceforth, there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness. Now, we'll see why that henceforth is there, what Paul is talking about. But Paul said, there is a crown of righteousness. Now, 
I, I have visited in a lot of homes over the years. I uh, probably visit, I know I visit a lot, visit you a lot more when you're in the hospital or when we got folks that are in the nursing homes or folks that are before or after surgery or sick or whatever. But I've been in a good number of homes. And as I've been in the homes of our church members, I have yet to see somebody have a crown of righteousness sitting on their shelf. I've not seen any of you that has a crown of righteousness on your mantle. I've not even seen you post about it on Facebook. So I'm assuming if I haven't seen that, I'm assuming you don't have it, right? And by the way, I don't have one in my house. My wife and I, we don't have any of those crowns yet. Here's why. Because we don't get those crowns down here. God doesn't deliver those by FedEx or UPS or the Postal Service or, or hand deliver. Well, those are not down here. The Bible says those are the crowns that we will receive in eternity. Those are the crowns that we will receive at the judgment seat of Christ. So what we're living for now is we're living now, but we're not living for now. We're living for that which is eternal. We're living for something that will last forever. Isn't it amazing if you, uh, if you get a, a cell phone or you get a computer or you get a gadget? When that gadget first comes out, it is cutting edge. It is incredible. You're just trying to figure it all out. Guess what? You give it a couple years, that's going to be junk. That's going to be a, an expensive paperweight is all it's going to be in a few years. Because things now, they get old. Things now, they deteriorate. Things now, the Bible says, a moth and rust corrupt and, and thieves break through and steal. That's why we lay up treasure, not down here. But we lay up treasure in heaven because that is eternal. And Paul said there's a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, shall give me at that day. Well, what's that day that we're talking about? That's the judgment. That's when we stand before the judgment seat of Christ. And Paul says God has a crown that he will give me at that day. And then he said this, it's not just for me. But he said, you can earn it too. You can live for it too. He said, it is for all those that love his appearing. What does it mean to love the appearing of Christ? Well, it's when you're looking forward to the day that Jesus comes back. It's when you're listening for that trumpet. It's when you're realizing that today I could see Jesus. Jesus Christ could come today and boy, that'd be a great day. Say, Pastor, I'm not sure I'd be excited about Jesus coming today. Well, then that's a problem. Because he could come today. And every one of us must live every day as if this would be our last day. Let's look quickly in 2 Timothy 4, beginning in verse 1. Let's look at the introduction. I see, first of all, in this passage, I see there is a reminder. In verse 1, Paul says, I charge thee. He's talking to Timothy. Timothy was a preacher. He was the pastor at the church at Ephesus. He was a, a young man that loved God and was trying to serve God. And Paul said, I am challenging you. I am charging you. I am reminding you of some important things. He said, I'm challenging you, but it's not just a challenge from me. He said, Timothy, this is a challenge from God. This is a challenge from our Lord Jesus Christ, who shall judge the quick and the dead at his appearing and his kingdom. I see, first of all, there is a reminder that Jesus is coming back. 
And I want to remind you this morning, it's 2024. And Jesus didn't come in 2023, but he could come in 2024. And he may not wait till December. And he may not wait till August. And he may not wait till May. He may not wait till February. Jesus Christ could come back today. Say, but pastor, he hasn't come yet. I know. You know what that means? It means we're one year closer. It means this could be the year that Jesus comes, but he is coming back. You can mark it down. Surer than I am standing on this platform today, Jesus Christ will come back. You can mark it down. There's a reminder that he's coming, but secondly, there's a reminder of the judgment. It says that he shall judge the quick and the dead. Well, the word quick there, it means those who are alive. And so Paul told Timothy, when Jesus comes back, it's going to be the rapture. He's going to catch us, his children, up to heaven to be with him. And the Bible says the dead in Christ will rise first. And so we'll be raptured up. Uh, the, the, the dead in Christ will come with the Lord. Their bodies will come out of the graves, and they'll be reunited with body and soul in a glorified body. And we'll be with the Lord, uh, 1 Thessalonians 4 says. But here in this passage, we see that when we are gathered together in the rapture, we're going to stand before Christ for a judgment. 2 Corinthians chapter 5 tells us we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ. So here's the reminder. Paul tells Timothy, you need to be aware. You need to understand that Jesus is coming back. And when he comes back, we are going to give an account to him. Ooh. Friend, I want to tell you something. He doesn't miss anything. The Bible says he's the righteous judge. He's the all-knowing judge. And when we stand before Jesus, he will judge us based upon how we've lived down here. Now, hang on. Don't get nervous. If you are raptured out, if you are caught up together into heaven at the time of the rapture, and you are standing before the judgment seat, that means you're already saved. Hallelujah for that. And the judgment seat of Christ is not a place where Jesus determines whether or not you get to go to heaven. Because we can't work to go to heaven. There's only one way we can get to heaven. And that's by putting our faith and trust in the finished work of Jesus Christ on Calvary. That's the only way you get to heaven. It's not by works of righteousness, which we have done, but it's according to his mercy he saved us. So what's this judgment? Well, this judgment is the place where we will receive the rewards for the things that we have done for Christ down here. It's where we will receive the re rewards in eternity for what we do in the here and now. During Paul's day, they had the, the Olympics. Uh, the, the, the Greeks really kind of got those going and of course uh, didn't continue all the way, but now we have uh, the new and improved Olympic Games. When someone competes in an Olympic event, when that event is done, they have the awards. They have a, a gold or a silver or a bronze medal that is given to the winners. Now, there's not punishment for the ones that didn't win. They don't say, you get a gold medal and you get beat. You know, how bad. No, no. Unless you live in a communist country, you, there's no punishment, okay, for participating in the Olympics. But there will be those who are rewarded, and then there will be those who are not rewarded with the medal. There will be those who receive the crowns and there will be those who don't receive the crowns. Now, friend, I don't mean to hurt anybody's feelings, but when we stand before the judgment seat of Christ, 
That's not the T-ball award ceremony. That's not where everybody gets a trophy. That's not where everybody gets a medal. This is where 1 Corinthians 3 says, we will stand before the Lord and our works will be tried with fire to see of what sort or what quality they are. So hang on. You say, well, pastor, I'm good. (laughs) I came to church this morning. I read my Bible this morning. I prayed this morning. Good, and I hope you did. But did you know at the judgment seat of Christ, not only will we be judged for our actions, but we will also be judged for our motives? That's scary. That means God's not only going to take into account what we did, but why we did it. Now, I'm glad you came to church this morning. And I think it's good to come to church, even if you don't come for the right reason. But it's better to come to church for the right reason. I I come to church, hopefully not because I have to, but hopefully I come to church because I love the Lord. Because I love his people. Because I want to please him. Because I want to be a better Christian. And our motives matter. And we'll see that evidenced at the judgment seat of Christ. And that's a reminder that Paul gives to Timothy that Jesus Christ will judge the quick and the dead at his appearing, that's the rapture, and his kingdom. That's when we are in heaven. That's when we are with the Lord. That is when this earth here is not going to matter, but his kingdom is all that will matter. That's why Matthew 6 tells us now, seek ye first the kingdom of God. And his righteousness and all these things shall be added unto you. But we see, number one, a reminder. Secondly, I want you to see very quickly, there is a refusal. In verse number three, and Paul says to Timothy, preach the word, verse two, be instant, in season, out of season, reprove, rebuke, exhort with all longsuffering and doctrine. (laughs) That's the responsibility of the preacher. But can I say, if the preacher is supposed to preach, I think people are supposed to listen. And if the preacher is supposed to be faithful in preaching, I think we ought to be faithful in living it. I don't think it's just the preacher's job to get up and preach the Bible and then we say, oh yeah, whatever. I think we ought to be receiving it. I think we as Christians, we ought to be soaking it up. I think we ought to let it do a work in our hearts. But then in verse number three, Paul tells Timothy, the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine. But after their own lusts shall they heap to themselves teachers having itching ears and they shall turn away their ears from the truth and shall be turned unto what fables you know what that is that's fairy tales that's things that aren't even true that's things that don't even matter that's things that somebody made up and i see number one there's a reminder but secondly i see there is a refusal there will be people that will refuse the truth There will be people that once believed the Bible and once uh, uh, practiced the Bible and once lived the Bible who will say, I don't believe it anymore. Isn't that what it says? When they will not endure, they won't stick with sound doctrine, but rather they will turn away their ears from the truth and they'll be turned unto fables. By the way, that's a very interesting thought there that it says they will turn their ears away from the truth. Did you know if you don't allow the truth to come into your ears and to come into your mind and to come into your heart, if you don't allow the truth to keep coming in, that old devil's going to replace it with something. He's going to send you some fables. He's going to send you some lies. He's going to send you some deceptions to get you off track and to get you turned away from what really is true. But there's a refusal. The time will come. I personally believe that we're living in those times right now. I believe we could accurately say the time has come. 
Because people have been turned away from the truth. Let me give you a few examples quickly. And I don't have time to cover them all. You ask the Holy Spirit to show you what you need for your life. But I'll say this. It's a fable. It is a myth. It is a lie. It is a deception. When someone would stand up and say, there are many ways to get to heaven. You choose your way, I'll choose mine. And by the way, when it's all said and done, God understands. That is a slap in the face of a holy God who gave us a Bible that says there's only one way. For us to turn around and say, well, no, there's a lot of ways. You figure out however you want to get to heaven and and God will understand that. That's a fable. You better watch out, but that's what's being pushed today. That's what you're seeing a lot on television. That's what you're hearing a lot in mainstream media. Oh, you just have to, you have to be accepting. You have to be understanding. You can't be so narrow-minded. Well, I got news for you. Your idea of the truth doesn't matter, and my idea of the truth doesn't matter, but God's idea of the truth, that's the only thing that matters. And be careful of the fables. There are some that say there are many ways to heaven. There are some that say we don't have a Bible. You're going to have to figure out what's true and what's not. And you're going to have to figure out what it really means. No, no, no. We have the truth. We have the Bible. And the Bible has not been given to us for us to correct the Bible. But the Bible has been given to us for the Bible to correct us. The Bible does not need to be rewritten. It needs to be reread. We have the Bible. And don't listen to the fable that says we don't have the Word of God. We have it. And we must read it, and we must study it, and we must stick with the doctrine. There are some who would say heaven is not real. There would be fables that would say hell is not a real place. Uh, Those things, those are just allegories. Uh, Those are just uh, uh, examples where God's trying to kind of show you, you know, you you, you don't want to do this, or you do want to do... No, no, no. There is a place called heaven. There is a place called hell. There must be sound doctrine. The Bible tells us that there will be people in the last days that will turn away their ears from the truth and they'll be turned unto fables. Be very careful with the fables. Maybe you've got the doctrine of the Bible and the doctrine of heaven and hell and salvation figured out. But watch out when the devil tries to tell you that your job and your bank account and your things are more important than God. Watch out when the devil tries to, uh, to, to draw you away with a friend at work and make you think that that friend at work is more important than the spouse you have. Be careful when the devil tries to pull you away from your children, your family, because you're so wrapped up in a hobby. Just be very careful that you don't listen to the fables and the lies and the deceptions of the devil. There's a refusal. They turn away their ears from the truth and they are turned Unto fables, but quickly I see number three. The Apostle Paul makes a very powerful statement in verse number six. He says, I am now ready to be offered, and the time of my departure is at hand. Now, I'm not talking about getting ready to go to church. <laughs> Isn't that wonderful when everybody's ready to go to church on time? Isn't that a blessing? By the way, Some of you, you don't have a problem getting to church. Some of you, you have a problem after church. You hang around and talk longer after church than I preach during the service. And if you do that, that's fine. Stay as long as you want. But you understand when you're trying to get everybody ready, is everybody ready? Are we ready to go? Are we ready to do this? Well, Paul's not saying I'm ready to go to church. Paul's not saying I'm ready to go home. He's not saying I'm ready to go to lunch. Here's what Paul is saying in Acts 21. 
he was getting ready to go to Jerusalem. And a prophet came and warned him, and he said, Paul, they're going to bind you, and they're going to hurt you in, in Jerusalem. And the disciples went to Paul, and they said, please don't go. Please don't do this. We don't want to see you get hurt. We don't want to see you locked up. And here's what Paul said. I'm not only ready to be bound. He said, I'm ready to die for my faith. I'll tell you this. I think I'm ready for a lot of things. But that's pretty tough to say, I'm ready to die. I'm ready. I'm ready and willing, whatever I have to go through, whatever comes my way, if it means persecution, if it means going to jail, some of us, we're not even ready for people to make fun of us at work. We're not even ready for people to look at us funny. We're not even ready for people to give us the cold shoulder because we stand for the truth, because we stand for the Bible, or we stand for the, the truth of, God, of God's word. I'm just saying we need some people that'll get ready and say, I'm ready and I'm willing to do whatever it takes to follow Christ. I am living not to please people, but I'm living to please God. And Paul said, I'm ready. But then I see in verse number seven, I see Paul gives us a recap a recap of his life in one verse. Now, we had last Sunday night, we had our year-end video, and I loved getting to see all those pictures and seeing the highlights from the year. But here's what Paul said. I want to recap the way I have lived my life. And he says in verse 7, I have fought a good fight. I have finished my course. I have kept the faith. I wonder if we could truly say that today. If we knew that our life was coming to an end, like Paul knew this in 2 Timothy 4, he knew he was getting close to the end. And he said, that's okay. Because I've fought a good fight. I've served God. I've been in the battle. I've been faithful. I have finished the work that God's given me to do. I have kept the faith. I've held on to what I believed. I've held on to the truths that God has given me. I wonder if we could say, that is my testimony as well. I hope so. I tell you this, I want 2024 to be a year where I can say, I've done my best for Jesus. I've told you this before, and you'll hear it, I'm sure, many times until Jesus comes. But when my wife's mother, when she passed away, of course, we went to the cemetery there in Iowa in January, and it was cold and snow, and it was brutal. We went back, I guess it would have been probably that summer, and there was the grave marker there that marked that grave. And on that grave marker is the verse right here, 2 Timothy 4, 7. I fought a good fight. I finished my course, and I've kept the faith. My dad passed away. It's hard to believe. It'll be uh, eight years next month that my dad went home to be with the Lord, and he's got one verse on his grave marker. It's 2 Timothy 4, 7. And can I say for my wife's mother and for my father, I think that verse is true. I, I don't think that's an exaggeration. I don't think that that was just pie in the sky thinking. I really believe those were two individuals that fought a good fight and finished their course and they kept the faith. Thank you for listening to the preaching podcast of Victory Baptist Church in Roanoke Rapids, North Carolina, led by Pastor Jeremy Coburnett. For more information about our ministry, please visit our website at vbcrr.org.
May God bless you as you serve him this week. Thank you.